You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is a Wednesday, October the 12th, 2022, right here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of the Astros, two on, two outs, the bottom of the ninth. Here comes Air Jordan. Two outs, bottom of the ninth. Jordan Alvarez at the plate, representing the winning run for the Astros, who trail Seattle 7-5. to five. The 0-1. And Alvarez belts it. Deep to right field. Gets it. Goodbye. Unbelievable. The Astros a walk-off win. Jordan Alvarez a walk-off three-run homer. And the Astros stun the Mariners in game one of the division series. Incredible! The house of horrors for the Seattle Mariners continues as they mob Alvarez by home plate. A miraculous comeback for Houston. Astros win it eight to seven. Can you believe it? Wow! Incredible call there by Robert Ford and Steve Sparks. Now look. I'm not going to take credit for it. However, shortly before the at-bat, I posted on Twitter, bottom of the ninth, 7-5 game, runners on first and second, two outs. Here comes hashtag AirYordan. Again, not going to take credit for it, but I spoke it into existence. The kiss of death died yesterday, and it is a beautiful thing. I wouldn't say it's died. Oh, it's it's, it's died. Dude, I spoke a walk-off home run in the postseason into existence. I literally tweeted it into existence. Your overall record still isn't the greatest. Hey, like Yuli Gurriel, I come up clutch when it matters. (laughs) It's all that matters, baby. It's like playoff Jimmy. I, I come up when I'm needed. Oh, man. James, buddy, what what a what a game. It was great because I wasn't able to get home till the start of the ninth. So when I was I was listening to the game driving home when I when a Bregman was able to hit the two run homer. So I was like, oh, OK, OK. Pulled it within two. There's still a chance. Did leave one guy on base. I thought, ooh, they, they had a good chance that they were able to be able to tie the game going into the ninth, but it doesn't matter because you still were able to get the walk-off win. Yeah, uh, just, you know, when that inning started, and the commentators alluded to it as well, I, I looked at who was due up, and it was, you know, Hensley, um, Altuve, Altuve, Pena, yeah. And then and Jordan. Then I said they don't want to get to Jordan. They cannot get to Jordan. And they did. You know, like you you, see, you needed a base hit from Pena. 
Oh, absolutely. You needed Especially that. Especially with two outs. Yeah. You had to have it. That was such a clutch hit right down in center field. Uh, you had to have it. And and personally, you know, I'll give Pena all the credit in the world. I blame the pitcher. You hung a slider for a power hitter. Come on, man. You knew Jeremy Pena's eyes were going to light up when he saw that. And he tattooed it right back up the middle. It was a great hit. Jordan came up. And they brought in Robbie Ray, who, you know, you look at it, Robbie Ray won a Cy Young last year. But boy, has he struggled this year. I remember hearing on on TV that they had said Robbie Ray hadn't relieved in three years. Yeah. Like he's not a reliever. Uh, that's why I was so confused. I'm like, I get it, he's a lefty. Well, and that's then, exactly why you brought him in. And then lefty versus lefty. That's exactly why you brought him in. But to me, it's like, look, if the man had, to me, that's too big of a situation. But you see, he, he, to make that type of this risk. This is this is how this is how baseball savvy Jordan is. I saw I saw multiple tweets when Jordan realized that he was going to hit, and they saw Robbie Ray. In the bullpen. When Robbie Ray came out onto the field to do his warm-ups, you know, the pitchers get like, what is it, eight pitches to warm up, I think is what it is. So that's, you know, three, four minutes plus the TV timeout. I was going to say, I didn't know if it was like a certain time that you get it or a certain amount of pitches. I think you get eight pitches. You get eight pitches? I think is what it is to warm up. Um, And so in that moment, I I read that one of the Astros writers tweeted that – Jordan looked at one of the bench coaches and asked for a tablet. And Jordan quickly went back through all the footage of his previous at-bats against Robbie Ray. And came up with a game plan and attacked it. I mean, just fantastic stuff. The Astros win 8-7 to seven after being down 7-3 to three at one point in the game. Uh, the Astros now lead the series 1-0 and they will play game 2 tomorrow. And Minute Maid Park with a 237 first pitch that you can hear right here on the game. It's going to be Framber Valdez going up against Luis Castillo. Uh, Castillo scares me. I'm, I'm going to be honest, Castillo scares me. Uh, but we'll dive into that a little bit later on in today's show. We got college football to talk about because college football is getting played tonight. How about a midweek primetime Sunbelt contest between the Thundering Herd of Marshall and the Louisiana Ragin Cajuns? Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser will join us at 4.30 to break that game down. Uh, we will also do Hoot at Wednesday with our guy Brendan Ertle. The Saints needed a big win. They got one. Now can they get another one? The problem is that the... Two prodigal sons of Louisiana return in Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Speaking of Joe Burrow, James, did you see the video that's been surfacing of him? The one of someone, uh, I forgot what they did. A reporter coughed. That's what it was, and he and flinched. He, dude, think his offensive line's got him on edge or something? I don't, I don't know. Oh, I mean, look, some people get scared easily, and that's fine. I'm one of them. I was going to say, have you seen Al Horford? I'm one of them. Al I, Horford I get, at, at the free throw? It is It is not hard to make me jump. It's really not. 
I remember I got you good one time. At oh, the door. you did. You did. You got me real good. Um, it, it's not hard to make me jump. However, I don't think somebody coughing would make me jump like that. It was a pretty loud cough. I mean, it was, but... <laughs> to give oh. to give the reporter credit, that was a pretty loud cough. Man. I, I think Joe Burrow might be a little uh, a little nervous. Which obviously benefits the Saints. Because if his offensive line continues to play as putridly as they have, uh, newsflash to anybody that hasn't watched the Saints, they have a pretty dominant front four. They have gotten into their groove. They've got a dominant front four. So, you know, if your offensive line play isn't like top notch, Joe Burrow's going to get sacked quite a few times. We'll talk about that later with our guy Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. If you want to watch the simulcast here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. If you want to get in on the game hotline, very simple, 337-706-0111. According to our guy Kevin Foote, light rain has begun in Huntington, and they have already seen strikes of lightning. So could there be a delay in the Cajuns game tonight? We'll see. Speaking of the Cajuns game, poll question of the day. Do the Raging Cajuns get back on track tonight against Marshall? Your two choices are heck yeah and no shot. So far, 55% of you say no shot. While 45% say heck yeah. Look, it's coming down to a couple different things for me. And I, I like to think that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to this team. So, you know, hear me out. You're playing one quarterback tonight. Granted, it's because of injury. You never wish injury upon a guy. However, you're playing one quarterback tonight. And that's what fans have been asking for all season long. The two-quarterback system has not worked. I'm very intrigued to see what Ben Wilridge can do with four full quarters of work. So that's one. Number two, I'm incredibly nervous that Chris Smith is not playing. Because you've already had a pretty poor running game all season long, and now you don't have your number one guy. So that's, that's another issue that I have. And then the other thing that I'm intrigued to watch is Marshall's running game against the Cajuns' defense. Because, you know, at the beginning of the year, Rasheen Ali goes down with an injury – and most Marshall's, most Marshall fans and a lot of Cajuns fans were looking ahead and they were like, oh, they don't have Rasheen Ali, we might be at an advantage here. But then their backup, Kalen Laburn, steps in and he has 731 yards on the season in five games. Four and a half, technically. Excuse me? What, what, what are they doing? Producing bionic running backs in Huntington, West Virginia? It's insane. So those are the three things I'm looking out for. I do think the Cajuns can win this game. They're going to have to play extremely disciplined football, though. You're going to have to move the ball. The offense is going to have to milk time off the clock and execute. Because if your defense starts to get gassed on this offense, you're in trouble. Plain and simple. You're in big trouble. So, interested to see... How, how that goes. James, what are you looking forward to? I was going to say, I was going to piggyback off of what you were saying was, you don't have the two QB system to worry about 
as Cajuns fans, you don't you don't have to worry about them going to Chandler for two drives, then Ben another drive. And and here's another thing with you. You've been talking about how you want Ben Woolridge to get more of playing time and just be the guy because you haven't seen it from Chandler so far. You've seen it with a closer microscope than I have. And it's like, look, this is the opportunity, especially with Ben Woolridge being more of an athletic guy to mm-hmm. where he can make plays with his legs. Yeah. So even though you won't have Chris Smith, there will be opportunities when the line breaks down and you just have to run out to the sidelines and make a play with your arm or just take yourself. And the other thing with Ben, to piggyback off of that, Ben's athleticism gives you the opportunity to open up a whole other facet of the playbook. Yeah. You can do designed quarterback runs with Ben Woolridge. I don't know how well you'd be able to do that with Chandler Fields. That's just my observation. Now, when Chandler came into the program, everybody, oh, he's a, he's a dual threat guy. You know, he can do both. I mean, yeah, he runs the ball on occasion, but I, I've never seen him go on some breakaway run. And then both of them, they throw with opposite arms, right? No, I thought they're I, both right-handed. Oh, they're both right? Yeah. I could have sworn like one of them was left. Uh-uh, I don't know. They're both right-handed. Okay. But but to me, that's that's where you can make the difference is, look, this is the time to shine. This is the perfect opportunity where people have no hope for you. People are like, okay, the Thundering Herd, they're just going to stomp over the Raging Cajuns, and they're just going to have to come back as being two and four. But to me, this is this is almost the perfect opportunity. Maybe I was a couple weeks late in thinking that you were going to be able to beat South Al when nobody thought you had a chance. Maybe it's this week. Maybe it's tonight that they actually step it up because the reason why you're so they've been so bad is because of a bad running game and just the overall offense has looked putrid. The defense has been able to keep them in the game. It's a lot like the Saints. They've been able to keep them in the game. You are you do have to worry about the running game for Marshall with that running back. But to me, if you can keep him in the game and then Ben Woolridge is out there the whole time getting into a rhythm, not having to worry about, oh, I only get two, three drives a half. You're yeah. able you you're able to go out there and just kind of do your thing absolutely the whole game and not have to worry about oh is Chandler oh oh is it Chandler's turn no it it it's Ben Woolridge time this is going to be the first full game that Ben Woolridge plays at Louisiana like this is this is the opportunity to win over the fan base and absolutely. win over the coaching staff and be like look I know you liked Chandler I know he initially won the battle that's why he gets more majority of playing time than I do but look. Let me show you what I can do. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Looking forward to seeing what he can do at six thirty tonight in a primetime matchup from Jones C. Edwards Stadium in Huntington. Couple comments on the poll question before we take our first time out. Jamie Green says yes, but only if the O line works together as a unit. Running backs run down the defense. Quarterback stays in one quarterback the whole game, which we will see. And the defense plays lights out and forces three and outs. John Paul says they need to find themselves. Yeah, no kidding. And Tan says, let's go. Again, I think the Cajuns can win this game. I think Marshall's a beatable team. Marshall's not having the season. Some people thought that they would. They had that big win against Notre Dame, but then they turned around and lost to a bad Bowling Green team, and then they slipped up against Troy. They're 2-3, and three, just like the Cajuns. Or, or are they they're three and two. I'm sorry, three and two. They're they're in very similar situation as the Cajuns. They're trying to get right. Also, the Cajuns need to get right. 
the Cajuns can win this game. They're going to have to play sound football, though, and limit the mistakes. Because just like the Cajuns, the Cajuns are the Cajuns are actually... I, I found this out today. I, I knew that they were having a good season in terms of turnovers. I didn't realize how good. They're sixth nationally in takeaways. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they, The defense has kept them in the game. However, Marshall... Mm-hmm. They have turned it over one of the fewest times. But not only that, their defense forces turnovers too. Mm-hmm. They have two. They have two corners with three interceptions apiece. They force turnovers, so going to be a good matchup. Definitely looking forward to it. Uh, if you want to hang out with yours truly, I will be hopping on on Twitch this evening on the game's Twitch channel. Uh, you can find that info on our Twitter channel, and uh, I will be watching the game and reacting to it as it happens. So uh, if you if you want to come hang out and say hi, you can certainly do that. Tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers, line of bed out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzolo will be talking tonight with head basketball coaches Lynn Kennedy and John Aiken as the McNeese Coaches Show will be broadcasting from the Maplewood Burgers at 4453 Nelson Road. So tune in tonight for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Take a time out. When we return, James and I will bring you the scoring summary of the Astros' 8-7 victory over the Mariners yesterday with calls coming from Robert Ford and Steve Sparks right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 423 here on the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, looking at the scoring summary of the Houston Astros win over the Seattle Mariners. Yesterday, the scoring got underway in the top of the first uh, with a RBI single from Cal Raleigh to get Seattle on the board. Here's a 1-1. And that is line to right. That's a base hit. Scoring easily, Rodriguez. France is on his way to third. Raleigh is aboard with an RBI single, and it's 1-0 Seattle. Well, Raleigh continues his hot hitting. He's been about as good as it gets for a Mariner in the last month or so. And then in the top of the second, the rookie sensation Julio Rodriguez hit his, gets two guys on and brings them both in with a RBI double. Kind of a stocky right-handed batter. Went to San Diego State, the 1-1. And he drives it to left field, deep. Back on it, Alvarez on the warning track. He die, or leaps, and it's off his glove. Rodriguez will score. It's a double for France. It's 6-2 Seattle. And then in the top of the second, Ty France would get an RBI single to score Julio Rodriguez and make it 4-0 Seattle. 1-2. Curveball and that smacked up the middle and into center field. On his way to third, Rodriguez. He's getting away from Manny Acta. The throw by McCormick goes to second. It's an RBI single for France, and it is four to nothing, Seattle. Well, one thing Scott Service was talking about before the game about how to attack Verlander, 
He said, you know, every good pitcher will make mistakes no matter how well they pitch, and you have to be able to capitalize on them. A hanging curveball there from France, and he bounced it up the middle, and the Mariners are pouncing on every Verlander mistake. The Astros, however, would get a little bit of scoring done in the bottom of the third, courtesy of Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez with 37 jacks during the season. Here's a pop-up to left, going back on it, Kelnick. On the warning track, and it's off the wall. McCormick scores. Altuve racing around third. It's 4-2. to two. A two-run double for Alvarez. Just a flick of the wrist, just like that. However, the Astros' momentum would not be there for long with a solo jack from J.P. Crawford. Here's the 3-1. This one's ripped to right field. Down the line. Hooking and gone. Deep to right field, a 3-1 pitch to Crawford, and he stepped into it. And it's 5-2 now, Seattle. You heard the Ty France RBI double earlier to score Julio Rodriguez and make it 6-2 Seattle. The next at bat, France would try to come home on a Eugenio Suarez single, but Jordan flashing the arm. Breaking ball, and that's lined to left. That's a base hit. They're going to wave France around third. Here comes the throw from Alvarez in plenty of time. Maldonado waits on it. He tags out France easily. And Alvarez with that strong arm, a throw on the fly from left field. And that ends it for the Mariners here in the fourth. And then in the bottom half of the fourth, you know, the Astros looking to put some more offense back on the board. Playoff Yuli comes onto the scene. One and two. And he drives this one to left field. Guriel flips the bat. And it's gone. Yuli checking in at six to three. And he's two for two. Looked like a hanging breaking ball from Gilbert. Gurriel staying back on it and driving it out into the Landry's Crawford boxes, his seventh career postseason homer. In the seventh, Eugenio Suarez would hit a solo homer, and Jordan would also make a great running catch later in the, in the inning. But it was the bottom of the eighth when Alex Bregman would start a rally for the Astros. Munoz with the 2-1. And Bregman hits it in the air, pretty deep to left center field. Going back on it is Kelnick looking up. See you later! Off the community leader's side. A two-run home run for Alex Bregman. And the Astros trail 7-5. Boy, it seems like Bregman hits those postseason homers off some of the best pitchers. Munoz with some of the best stuff and one of the best sliders in baseball. And he gets turned around. And in the top of the ninth, Julio Rodriguez comes up, has the opportunity to get an extra base hit. But Kyle Tucker says, not on my watch. 3-2. And Rodriguez hits it in the air pretty deep to right center. Tucker racing back onto the warning track. He leaves and... He makes the catch, crashing into the wall. 
took away extra bases from Rodriguez with an absolutely sensational play. Two outs. One of the best right fielders in baseball, Tucker does it again. Seen so many times the Astros make big defensive plays in the playoffs. And it changes the course of the game. And then, of course, you know what happened in the bottom of the ninth. The three-run walk-off from Jordan Alvarez. Two outs, bottom of the ninth. Jordan Alvarez at the plate, representing the winning run for the Astros, who trail Seattle 7-5. to The 0-1. And Alvarez belts it. Deep to right field. Gets it. Goodbye. Unbelievable. The Astros a walk-off win. Jordan Alvarez, a walk-off three-run homer. And the Astros stun the Mariners in game one of the division series. Incredible. The house of horrors for the Seattle Mariners continues as they mob Alvarez by home plate. A miraculous comeback for Houston. Astros win it eight to seven. Can you believe it? Wow! Once again, the Astros winning 8-7, to take a one nothing lead over the Mariners in the American League Division Series. Before we take a break, got to tell you about Suit Up. Guys, fashion tuxedos, suits for all occasions. They have wedding party specials. Whether you need a suit, tuxedo, whatever it may be, Suit Up can have it for you. Professional service, they're going to measure you every time to make sure it's a perfect fit. And three locations to serve you no matter where you are. Lafayette on Ambassador Caffrey across from Planet Fitness. New Iberia on Admiral Doyle and now in Lake Charles on Preon Lake Mall. Preon Lake Road across from the Preon Lake Mall. And they remind you to get dressed up for homecoming at Suit Up. Head to Suit Up, one of their three locations, and when you do, tell them that Crunch Time sent you. Take a time out when we return. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser joins us for a preview of tonight's Cajuns and Marshall game right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 436 on a Wednesday afternoon. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here on Crunch Time. It is now time to preview one last time. I said time a lot in this opening segment. Um... The Louisiana Rage and Cajuns taking on the Marshall Thundering Herd 6.30 tonight. Joining me to do so from the Daily Advertiser, he covers the Cajuns, as well as LSU women's basketball, Mr. Corey Diaz. Corey, what's going on, bud? How are you? Matt, what's up, brother? Doing well. How are you guys this afternoon? Uh, doing well. Doing well. Uh, a little nervous for tonight, not going to lie. <laughs> as you should be. I feel like... Uh... I think that that might be the correct pulse, man. Is 
Look, you know this. You've been around the Sun Belt a long time. Uh, don't certainly don't need me to to say this on the airways, but these midweek games they get so crazy, man. They get so weird. And then, of course, we're seeing reports of there's lightning in the area in Huntington, West Virginia. It's going to be sloppy. It's going to be wet. It's going to be rainy. All I got to say is, man, buckle up because tonight's probably going to get really weird. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, looking at it, Chandler Fields is not going to go with that injury. Uh, so ben, it's going to be the Ben Ward show tonight um you know what do you expect from this offense with one quarterback for four quarters uh that's the million dollar question right um you know i still feel like and we're we're five games into this i don't know even even if the roles were reversed right unless they been were out and it was going to be Chandler for the whole game and even with Chandler getting more snaps at this point in the year and more series i still don't feel like i've seen enough of either one of these guys to really have a an appropriate read on what the offense is going to look like with one or the other as the sole quarterback i i i think we will get some more RPOs tonight with, with Ben running the show completely because I think from what I've seen through five games, Ward seems to add a little more of a of a run dimension with him in the game. He's he's been able to, especially on like some some critical long third downs, he's been able to run and, and move the chains and keep the offense on the field. I, I think I think Desimo will want to. We we'll want to exploit that and want to kind of get that out of Ben tonight. You know, if it's a third and four, you know, uh, maybe you, you know, maybe you dial up an RPO, right? And you fake a handoff to, uh, I guess, all Cajun fans, right? We'll hope it's going to be Chris Smith tonight, uh, but we don't know for sure um, if he's going to be able to go. Uh, you know, and that's another thing, too. You know, the, the running back uh, situation could be even thinner than what it normally is. So you may have to rely on Ben a little bit more to run the ball tonight. Um, you know, and, and so maybe that's what it looks like. And I know I'm not giving you a definitive answer, Matt, but I just don't feel like we've seen enough of either one of these guys to really know. Um, but I, I guess after tonight, you know, we'll we'll get a, a better gauge of not only Ben's comfortability, confidence uh, within the entire playbook of this offense, but we'll, we'll see where he is from a confidence level standpoint of being able to go out there and, and not play one series every every three drives, but play back to back drives for the first time, and, and play a full quarter for the first time in a full half. So, uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, man. Uh, you know, there's lots of questions offensively right now, and, and that's certainly one. Yeah, you know, Jay Walker said on our on our morning show this morning that Chris Smith will not play tonight. Uh, yeah. See, well, you know, and, and I'm sorry I missed that, but you know, that's the thing. Um, I would not be surprised if Woodridge carries the ball a dozen times tonight because, and that's not to say that, you know, Jacob Cabote nor Terrence Williams nor Draylon Washington can, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to, to fill those shoes or, or fit that mold for what they would need from the running game tonight. I'm certainly not saying that. I do think they're, either of those guys are capable. But you're also talking about, you know, guys who, uh, again, just are not quite as experienced, right? Um, you're, you're you're looking at you're looking at the quarterback spot tonight and the running back spot tonight that are going to be featuring guys playing extensively for the first time in their college careers and and 
you know, we, we, we talked about it at the, at the top, at the top, right. Where there's nerves. Like if I'm, if I'm Desimo and Tim Leger and, and the rest of the office, the coaching staff, I mean, that's, that's enough reason for me to, to, to be nervous tonight, especially you're, you're playing at a, at a place that is really hard to win football games. Marshall is one of the toughest places in this league. And I know it's only their first year, um, but it is a tough place because I've been around Conference USA football for a while. Teams don't go in there and just and just dominate Marshall and win football games. That that never happens. It is a tough place to play, and you're talking about a, a first college start at quarterback. You're talking about a first college start at running back. That's that's reason for nerves. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. Definitely. Uh, some interesting storylines to look at this game. Another one to look out for, Coach Des kind of alluded to it over the weekend. Um, say something happens to Ben Woolridge, or you know Ben might not be playing particularly well, and you need to go to a different quarterback. Could we see Zion Chris tonight? Yeah, you know, God, hey, God forbid. Um, <laughs> Something a situation like that were to present itself, right? Um, but I mean, Zion Chris is your number three, uh, and, and you know he, he did mention in passing, you know, Zion McDonald, you know, could be another guy. You know, if if that situation presents itself, we might see another two quarterback rotation. You know, where they they bring in Zion for a couple of series, and then they bring in Zion for a series. You know, I, they probably would do that, honestly, Matt. Um, but uh, at right now on the depth chart. You know, Zion is your number three guy, and you know, from everything that I've heard since day one of me on this beat, you know, just a few months ago, I mean, Zion's name was one of the first ones I had heard, and this is a guy who's a freshman at quarterback, and and no one was projecting him to even play at all, you know. Um, but in terms of pure talent and what he uh, looks like, you know, even now without really even having a a ton of game experience at this level. I mean, there's still there's still people around this Louisiana football program that are really excited about this kid. And 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 even if Ben doesn't get hurt tonight, I mean, is it out of the realm of possibility that in, in situations we could see Zion come into the game? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility either. So um, maybe we do get our, our you know we get a, a little glimpse into Zeon Chris tonight. Um, if we do, I'll, I'll be really excited. I'll be obviously intently watching kind of what they do with him if they do bring him into situationals, uh, situations like that. Um, but, yeah, he's your three, He's your number three. Um, and, and I think, you know, Des talked about, you know, him him being comfortable with, with running Zeon out there if the situation presented itself. And, um, you know, there, and like I said, there's there's always been this, this praise and this this louding of, of how he conducts himself and, and what he does, you know, during practice for, for a while now. So um, I, I think the coaches would be – I don't think they'd miss a beat, and I don't think they'd be concerned uh, if Zion needed to get into the game tonight. And I think it would just be, you know, kind of business as usual. Two matchups I'm looking at for the game tonight, and I want to get your thoughts on each of them. Uh, first one is Marshall's running game with, with Kalen Laburn, who's having a great year in stepping in for Rasheen Ali – Versus Louisiana's front seven. Yeah, to me, to me, Matt, that, I think that's the that's going to be the matchup of the game. Uh, if 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 UL's defense can somehow figure out a way to slow down Kalen LeBourne and and this Marshall offense, uh, the the running game that is, um, you know, if you can if you can get this offense in, in obvious passing situations, you know, second and longs, third and longs. 
uh, get them behind the chains. Uh, that's that's where Marshall has struggled so far. Uh, you know, this year, you know, um, you know, that's how they were able to go into South Bend and beat Notre Dame a few weeks ago. Was that the offense was able to to use its run game to, to set everything else up? You know, and and, and Notre Dame's defense, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, they they didn't have a great day. You know, um, and Marshall was able to exploit some things. So, I mean, that that's kind of where it's going to have to start for the Cajuns defensively tonight. You know, your Andre Joneses, your your Zion Hill Greens. Uh, your Jordan Lawsons, um, you know, your A.J. Riley's and your, uh, you know, Chris Moncrease. These guys are going to have to uh, really fill in those run gaps, um, and they're going to have to keep – if they can keep Marshall below three yards per carry tonight, going into the fourth quarter, I'll feel much better about Louisiana's chances of winning this football game than, than maybe what I do right now. And then the other one is, you know, looking at the Cajuns – receivers have become their bread and butter this season from a talent perspective. I'm looking at the Cajuns passing game against Marshall secondary, who's been really good at creating turnovers this season. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, uh, what Louisiana does creating turnovers, right. Uh, but Marshall's defense has been just as opportunistic, um, has been just as good. Um, and, the the key for the key for Michael Jefferson and, and Peter LeBlanc and and John Stevens Jr. and these guys out wide is to if the ball's thrown to you, especially if it's going to hit you between the numbers, catch the ball. There's been so many drops uh, from the receivers this year, and, it, and it, that's that's been one of the things. Um, you know, and a lot gets made about the quarterback play and the rotating of the quarterbacks, and and you know all that, and and certainly that that's rightfully so but uh, i think a thing that gets kind of overlooked is that there's been some drops you know and there's been some drops on some key situations on some key down and distances in some situations where uh they're in a red zone and instead of having to you know potentially go in and score a touchdown they're having to settle for three points and kick field goal because there's been drops in the end zones there's been drops going into the end zone that to me um is going to be the thing that i'm watching for tonight is how focused in and dialed in are the receivers to where ball thrown to them is going to hit them in the face mask. They're catching it. They're looking it in, catching it, and being able to, to either sustain drives, move the ball, move the chains, or even potentially score touchdowns or give the offense an opportunity to put the ball in the end zone at the end of these drives because you're going to need to do that you know, against a, a Marshall team at their place, regardless of whether or not this is the most talented Marshall team that they've had in a while. It's probably not, but – Again, it's a really tough place to play, and you have to be able to capitalize and do just the little things. If they can execute the little things, UL will certainly be in this game in the fourth quarter and have a chance to win. If the Cajuns win tonight, are they back on track in terms of their season? That's a good question, Matt. Uh, I I would say this. um, If they win tonight on the road at Marshall, I mean, it – it's the big, obviously, it's the biggest win of the Desimo era at this point. Um, and you're talking about a, a big momentum creator. Um, you know, again, uh, all the talk of, you know, just how tough it is to go up there, play, you win that game. Um, but th- this team is, is, is starved for something good to happen to it. You know, um, you know, I thought, you know, when they went down and, and, and tied that game uh, against South Alabama, you know, a week and a half ago, 
you know, they're late in the game. I thought that might have been the good thing that this team needed to happen. Unfortunately, the defense, as tired as it, and fatigued as it had been, because it had been on the field all night long, uh, you know, unfortunately allowed them to go out there and kick that game-winning field goal. But this this team is really grasping, you know, at that good thing. And I feel like if it can catch that good thing, it obviously would would turn itself in in the right direction, you know, because then you got Arkansas State coming in. I think off of the Marshall win, you probably look at that game differently in terms of probability of winning. Um, you know, and if you can get two wins in a row, there's no telling what this team can do because um, this team is not starved or lacking for talent. You know, we're you know we're we've seen what's happened over the last three weeks, and we go, what's happening? This is unreal. Why is this happening? And, you know, everybody wants to blame coaches or players or what have you, but everyone has seemed to have forgotten that there's probably three NFL guys on this team, at least. You know, there's three NFL-caliber football players on this team. So they're not lacking the talent. I think they just need to see kind of the ball bounce their way once. And if they do, you know, that could that, this could be uh, the thing that kind of turns this season around for them. Now, there's still some tough games on the schedule. I mean, obviously, Troy coming in is going to be really tough, and, and obviously the road trip to Florida State is going to be tough. And But you have to get the six wins to get to that bowl game. And if you drop tonight, that margin of error shrinks yet again. So, um, yeah, man, it, it could be. Uh, obviously, but that's still to be determined. But I think a win tonight would certainly set this team up in the best position that it's been in, in a while, um, you know, to, to get this thing turned around. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser joining us with a preview of Louisiana and Marshall. Corey, really appreciate you taking the time. Great work as always, my man, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, brother. Appreciate y'all. Y'all take care. And there he goes, Corey Diaz. Take a time out, wrap up hour number one right after this, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we got just a couple minutes left in the first hour. We won't be able to talk about this tomorrow, but one thing that I have noticed is that the Bears, they'll be unveiling a new uniform with their new alternate orange helmet. Now, to me, if you ever need to know something about me, I love the color orange. Mad knows about it. I have my orange Crocs. I wear them quite a bit. But to me, I don't know how to feel. I mean, it reminds me a little too much of the Browns. And I love orange, but I don't know. Maybe I'm too much of a traditionalist in liking the Navy helmet it's, for the for the Bears. It's clean. You like it? It's clean. I don't know. Maybe I just hate the alternates because it's the same thing. I don't like the Saints black helmet. Now, here's, at least maybe it's because it's with the uniform, but for the Bears to be wearing literally all orange. I mean, eh. look, here's the thing. Eh. Here's the thing. For one game, it doesn't bother me. Now, if the Bears announced that that orange helmet would become their primary helmet and they're getting, ri- getting they get away rid of the na- from the navy blue, I wouldn't like that. Because when you think of the Chicago Bears, you think of a navy blue helmet with the big C. Like, that's just what you think of. Um, so, I mean, yeah, one game here and there, yeah, go for it. Why not? You start wearing it every Sunday, we're going to have a problem. That's that's my two cents on it. The Saints helmet, I don't get why you hate it. It's great. 
With even with the color, the co- I thought it looked great with the color rush I th- jersey. I think it's because it's with the color rush. I think I maybe it looked great with the color I rush. I think if it looks better with the, I think if it goes with the all black unis, if they're able to change the rule and they do that, I think um, it may look better. But to me, only seeing it on the all white and the white color rush, that just doesn't do it for see, me. I thought it looked great with the color rush. I loved it. I loved that uniform combo. When I, when it comes time for me to buy Madden twenty three, I will be wearing that combo more times than not. When I do my franchise with the Saints, because it's a nice look. Interesting. It's a good look for me. Um, so you know, looking at the poll question, do the Cages get back on track tonight? So far, forty-six percent of you say yes. Fifty-four percent of you say no. Uh, James, do you think they get back on track tonight with a win? I say yeah. I'm gonna I'm go out on a limb and I'm gonna say yeah because I feel like. When you look at the 10-point spreads, they never hit. It feels like any one of the spreads for the Cajuns so far this year, they were projected as like 10-point favorites against... Uh, I'm struggling. I forget who, but they tried to play them, and they barely won. They were then like 9, 10-point underdogs, yep. and they only lost by 2 or 3. So it's like whatever the spread is, go the opposite way. Yeah, um, maybe I'm just being a Debbie Downer. As as you've been since they lost their first game. I would take Marshall in the points right now. I hope I'm wrong, but I would take Marshall in the points. And even even with the wet weather, I think that plays into their game more than it plays into the Cajuns. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two after this top of the hour sports update right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two here on Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 502 p.m. On your Thursday afternoon. So, James, some, something crazy happened today for, for the first time in, in a while. Rain fell. That is true. I did hear it all throughout the first hour. And we have needed it. 100% have we needed it. Uh, so definitely, you know, loving, loving that, um, because my backyard had a section in it where it had become dirt rather than grass. And for some reason, my dog liked to play around in it and it just was starting to annoy me. So maybe now that it's wet, some grass will grow and we'll be done with that. But anyways... Getting getting a little bit off topic. On Monday, Charles Huff, the head coach of the Marshall Thundering Herd, and Michael Desermo were just two coaches featured in the Sunbelt Conference weekly coaches meeting, and they spoke with the media. We didn't get to play it yesterday because of the Astros game, so we're going to talk about it now. We'll start with Charles Huff. You know, first Sunbelt game at home for Marshall tonight. What's the mindset of the team Heading into this contest, 
We, we feel good. I mean, we feel good every week. You know, we, we talk about, you know, having a, a one-week season every week um, and focusing on the things that we need to do to be able to play well on game day. Um, no disrespect to any other opponent. This is the biggest game on our schedule because it's the next game and we have to prepare like that. I know it sounds like coach talk, um, but you get 12 opportunities at this. So uh, for you not to be excited, um, you know, about an opportunity to play, uh, the defending conference champions at home on a Wednesday night on ESPN in front of your home crowd. Uh, I don't know why you play the game. Um, obviously, it's going to be a tremendous challenge, um, but we have to do the best we can to to put the best um, uh, plan together from a coaching perspective and go out and execute on game day. Charles Huff, you know, has a has a lot of coaching experience. He comes from the Nick Saban pedigree. Uh, he, he spent some time at Alabama recruiting for Nick Saban, and before that he was at Mississippi State. So he's had two SEC stops before his head coaching job here at Marshall. And, and he also spent some time talking about the things that Louisiana does well. Everything. <laughs> you, you don't win a championship by, by mistake, and I, and I don't care what, what sports you're playing. Um, there's a thing called championship DNA that you have in your program and in your organization, and they have it. Uh, Sorry about that. the uh, The audio quality is not the uh, the greatest on that on that video call. So uh, we we do apologize for that. Um, you know, again, he he just he really spent some time talking about the Cajuns program. You know, he he just mentioned there you don't win a Sunbelt championship by mistake. Uh, they have a, the Cajuns have a championship DNA about their program. They've developed an identity of being a contender, and you know his, his team's really looking forward to the challenge of playing the the reigning Sun Belt champs. Uh, and then Michael Desermo a little bit later on talked as well. You know he talked about the bye week and how it came at the right time for his team. He also touched on Ben Woolridge getting the start for Marshall against Marshall. And he really spent some time on the differences that he sees from the Marshall team last year to now. And his biggest takeaway was that the defense hasn't really changed a whole lot. So, once again, 6.30 tonight, the Cajuns and the Thundering Herd. If you want to hang out with yours truly, virtually, I will be doing a live reaction of the game on our Twitch channel, which can be found on Twitch, twitch.tv slash thegame underscore Louisiana. And if you need the rest of our social media channels, you can head to our Twitter page. Uh, our awesome producer, Mr. James Mesh, posted a tweet with the usernames to all of our social medias so that you can find us and interact with us in whatever ways you wish to do so. But once again, I will be on Twitch tonight doing a live reaction of the Cajuns game. So if you want to stop by, chat with me, uh, I will be there to do that starting at 6.30. James, you know, obviously we're going to talk with Brendan Ertle here in a minute for Who Dat Wednesday, but you and I haven't gotten to talk a whole lot about the Saints game other than the little bit that we did on Monday. You know, i got to ask, Taysom Hill scores four touchdowns against the Seahawks on Sunday. That's not sustainable, right? No. no. Like he gets 
he gets a couple of touchdown games every once in a while, and it's like it's the same thing with Alvin Kamara, where it's like you just have one of those games. But there's a reason why you don't see it every time. It's because you use him to maybe be like a spark plug or just somebody to juice up your offense if it's looking stale and you need a little bit of spice. It's it's not like he's the lead back on this team. This is Alvin Kamara. This is for Michael Thomas when he gets back. Like those, That's the main one-two punch. It's just Taysom Hill's almost like that left hook where it's like when you least expect it, that's when you throw it in to try and have it be like a, a finishing knockout punch. Yep. Which is what we which is what you saw with that sixty yarder. Which I remember seeing the numbers that the Saints had posted. And he ran twenty miles an hour. That was his yep. highest point. That was the slowest looking twenty miles an hour I've ever seen. You see, it, it's funny. Twenty miles an hour on TV or especially in person. I was gonna say it looks slow, but it looked even slower on TV. Right? Oh, it does. Because it's that's the funniest dynamic. My my friend and I we were talking about that on the way back home from the game, and it was he and Kamara. They just don't look like they're moving. They look like they have bricks on their feet. But after after looking at the total run, it was like, well, they're they're running past oh, yeah. defenders. No one's really catching them. Like I, it's, you see, it's, it's I, such a weird dynamic because they can change the they can change their speeds. So quickly, like that. I forgot which network did it, but somebody had done a segment on like the fastest players in the NFL, and from from Sunday, the fastest players from Sunday, and one of the guys hit like twenty two miles an hour, and I mean he he didn't look like he was going super fast, uh, which is which is crazy to think about because I mean twenty two miles an hour, that is incredibly fast. Especially for a human being to be moving. 22 miles an hour? That's nuts. Let's go to the game hotline 337-706-0111. Kent's calling in. Kent, what's going on? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing well. How are you? Hey, good. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you remember me. I met you once. You came up by my baseball box, and uh, we met once probably right before you started this gig. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, I just want to clarify with you guys. You were talking about the quarterback situation for the Cadence. I heard Mike talking about it during the week. Um, here's the deal. If um, Ben gets hurt, let's say Ben gets his helmet knocked off, all right, and Ben's got to go out for a play or two, they'll put in Zai. Okay, as Mike phrased it, he says, I don't want to burn a game for a couple of plays. If Ben gets gets knocked out in the first or second quarter, he's going to put in Zion. So I'm reading into this when he says, I don't want to burn a game. So Zion can play four games and keep his red shirt. Correct. So Mike might be saving him for down the road for if things don't get better, things don't change, he might just play in the last four games. Correct. And keep his red shirt, you know. So look for, for if something happens, Ben needs to go out for a play or two, get an ankle wrapped or something like that, look for his eye. Yep. If something happens, Ben's got to come out long long haul, then you'll see Zion. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I expected. Um, yeah, because I, gonna... I sound like Corey like really sure how they were going to use that. That's the way I understood it from what I heard Mike saying. That they're they're going to pick and choose – you know when they when they yeah. need to use Zion and when they don't need yeah. to. Yeah, Zion is going to be a long term solution, not going to be a one or two place solution. Right, absolutely. In this situation, yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure you guys knew that and clear that up with you. Appreciate that, Kent. All right, yeah, we're going. Yes, Take sir. Bye bye. So yeah, I mean, and, and that's smart, right? You know, you gotta you gotta be very careful with Zion, Chris, because you are trying to redshirt him. He's a true freshman. 
you want him for four years after this because, you know, people can say, you know, how they feel about a certain player or, or what. But from my vantage point, unless Ben Woolridge or Chandler Fields absolutely lights the world on fire between now and December, Zeon Chris is starting quarterback next year. And here's another thing is not only do you not want to burn that red shirt just for a couple plays a game every other game or so, you also don't want other opponents to have any tape. Of course. That's another thing is you you don't want them on the field. I know experience is nice and all. And right now all you got is high school tape on Zeon. Exactly. So it's like you let him marinate. You don't Absolutely. put any film out there. And then whenever you are able to get him out there and have him be the starting QB for projected to be next year, you let go. And you see, Kent brings, you up, go. Kent brings up a good point. Say things don't get better. Say the Cajuns are 2-6 and six with four games to go. I mean, God forbid, but, I mean, say that's the case. Zeon might play the last four games of the year. Because he can play in four full games and still be a redshirt quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, if things don't improve, neither quarterback plays well, you're still losing games. You really have nothing to play for anymore in 2022. Yeah, I mean, it's very likely that you could see Zeon Chris get some serious playing experience. Um, so you really got to be careful with with, uh, with uh, how you put him in and out of the lineup. Um but I agree with Kent wholeheartedly, and I, and I heard Michael Desermo say the same thing over the weekend. He said that you know Ben's got to leave the game for a play or two. They're going to Zion McDonald. Um, otherwise, you know if it's a long term thing where you know Zion might have to play a quarter or something like that, then they look at, at Zion. But other than that, uh, Zion McDonald is going to be their their option for for a temporary quarterback tonight and until Chandler returns. Um, from that injury. It's time for you to warm up your dancing legs for the official run and duathlon of Festival of Cadillac et Creole. Race through Lafayette's historic district and end up at Girard Park for the festival on Sunday, October 16th. Compete in the 5K, 10K, or run, paddle, run in the duathlon. Taking part in the event and help support local parks, community projects, and the festival that you love. Volunteer or register at latrail.org. That's latrail.org. We'll take a timeout here on Crunch Time, 5.15 on your Wednesday. When we return, we've got weekday audio from LSU and the New Orleans Saints before we do Hoot Out Wednesday with Brendan Ertle here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. It's a good offensive line. Um, I think we have a good defensive line. I think we have a good scheme. We're going to have to play better than we did last week. I think we're capable of doing that. That's why you play these games. That's why you prepare. We have to prepare really well. I mean, we have to play better than we played last week. Or, yeah, we're going to give up too many yards and we're going to have a hard time winning the game. Um, but I have confidence in our group. I, I think I think they're going to respond. 
Uh, I don't think that there's any reason to think that there are any factors out there that this football team is not going to play well this past this coming weekend, and I expect them to. Brian Kelly with a lot of confidence in his offensive line, and you know, looking at and, and in his defense as well uh, before this matchup with Florida this Saturday in the swamp. You know, this game is this game is weird. It it's weird. You know, you look at it. LSU is four and two. Maybe not quite where they thought they would be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how many of them expected. Well, I mean, the team expected to, but fan base wise, I don't know how many people expected them to beat Tennessee. But so maybe they are where where people thought that they would be. And then you look at Florida. They started off red hot with that game against Utah. And then they've kind of teeter-tottered since then. Nearly beat Tennessee. Some people would say they probably should have beaten Tennessee. So both teams are in weird spots. Both teams have first-year head coaches. And both teams, both coaches, need this game. They need the game for their SEC resumes. You know, this is a big win for, for either side, no matter what way you look at it. Brian Kelly also went on to speak on the injury news in terms of Will Campbell and Garrett Dellinger. Good news on Will Campbell. Um, had a major test this morning uh, that he passed. Um, I think he's going to be released here uh, in the next hour or so. We've got one more hurdle. Uh, we think if we pass that, which we're confident, um, we'll see what happens, that things are trending in a, in a really positive direction for Will. So we're, we're really pleased. Garrett's got a second-degree MCL, uh, so he'll be lost for this week and most likely next week. We're really you know, thinking that it's probably a two-week injury. Uh, even further good news with Will Campbell, he was released from the hospital. He is back practicing with the team, and he is expected to go Saturday night in Gainesville. Uh, so whatever, you know, went down – over the weekend with Garrett Dellinger, I mean, with Will Campbell, things are are looking up. Uh, Brian Kelly also talked about his true freshman phenom quarterback from just right down the road in Walker Howard. I'd say, I'd say every day that he's he's with us, um, there's more knowledge because I'm in the meetings with the quarterbacks and. He's got he's got a great football knowledge. Um, he's mentally strong. Um, you know, he believes he's better than every quarterback we have, uh, which is awesome. I love that. And I don't mean that in any way other than he just has that kind of makeup, which is what you want. And he respects everybody in the room. Um, but, yeah, he's he's continues to develop, and um, we have, you know, we have a good feeling about it. So, you know, the, the thing with Walker Howard that's interesting, James, uh, we'll have a discussion about this before we, before we move on. If Jaden very similar to the Cajuns, if Jaden Daniels doesn't set the world on fire the rest of the way, next spring, Walker Howard and Jaden Daniels are going to go at it. Oh yeah, no doubt. That's going to be a interesting quarterback competition. Garrett Nussmeyer is just going to transfer. I mean, I thought he would have transferred last. He, he should have last offseason. He should have. I mean. That, that's no knock to the kid. I think he's a very talented quarterback. 
but with Jaden Daniels and then Walker Howard waiting in the wings, I mean, you're just not going to play. I mean, if you want to just be the guy that, you know, hung out in LSU's locker room and, you know, played on an as-needed basis, I mean, if you're content with that, I mean, good for you. But, you know, go go to somewhere like Texas Tech or Baylor. Baylor's going to need a quarterback next year. And go go back home to Texas and play somewhere. It's just, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, go do some winter life. I mean, the last thing that I want to touch on with LSU is people were very angry that Harold Perkins didn't see the field a whole lot. Here's Brian Kelly's explanation. Perkins, look, as you guys know, we moved him to Sam linebacker. Last week was not a position where, and you know the game, the game was a spread game. You got two receivers that are out on the numbers. Harold would have had to be standing out on the numbers playing the game as the Sam. We nickled out, so we were in a nickel situation. We would have had to change his position back to inside linebacker for that game. We weren't going to do that. Uh, This is a game that suits him really well. You'll see a lot of Harold Perkins this weekend. So it was just a schematic thing. It's not Harold Perkins isn't injured, you know, anything like that. Um, and again, as much as everybody loves Harold Perkins, would you have really wanted him covering a receiver of the numbers? No. No. <laughs> no. Because as talented as that young man might be, he would have been torched all game long. Linebackers just don't have the speed to keep up with wideouts. They don't. You saw it in London with the Saints. We're raving about Pete Warner. Oh, the year Pete Warner's having. Pete Warner's so great. The one time that they ran a play where Pete Warner had to account for a receiver, he got beat. Granted, they lined up the receiver as a running back, but still, you got beat. Linebackers don't fare very well against running backs, if we're totally honest. So, again, I I get the the frustration from fans, but I also 100% understand it from a schematic standpoint. It just wasn't a game that fit Harold Perkins, and that's okay. Um, but like he said, you know, against Florida, you're going to see a lot of Harold Perkins, and I think that's going to bode very well for the Tigers because Anthony Richardson, again, as talented as he may be, he is a quarterback that gets rattled very easily. And once you rattle him, Florida's in for a long night. So definitely looking forward to seeing how that game plays out Saturday night in the Swamp in Gainesville. You can hear it right here on the game. The Saints, Dennis Allen, much happier in this week's press conference. Uh, He talked about disguising Taysom Hill against the Bengals. While James finds that, uh, Dennis Allen also talked about how they operated efficiently, got to be do a better job of protecting the football, and he also offers a preview of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, who once again will be returning to the Superdome this Sunday to take on the Saints. But again, here's Dennis Allen on the challenge of disguising Taysom versus the Bengals. Yeah, I think you're always looking to have a counterpunch, right? You know, um, and and obviously the the. The verticals that we threw out of it for a touchdown is is kind of one of the counter punches, and so um, that's part of the schematics of pro football and, and trying to stay one step ahead of your opponent and, and uh, um, 
we'll kind of look at what we can do and, and what kind of change-ups we can have off of it. But um, I think each week is going to be a different week in terms of how we plan those things. Dennis Allen also said that for the week as a whole, they operated efficiently. Yeah, look, I felt like uh, I felt like we operated efficiently um, in this game offensively, um, and, and felt like we were able to do that in the second half of the previous game. And so, um, you know, I think I think overall, I was I was pleased with um, you know our offensive efficiency. I think that's what we have to be able to do. I think um, you know we're, we're, we're converting third downs at at about a fifty percent clip over the last two games, and and that that allows us to you know, maintain possession, stay on the field. He then talked about the challenges that they will face playing Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Well, I think both of them are exceptional players. Um, Joe Burrow is, is uh, you know, he's an athletic quarterback, probably doesn't give, get enough, you know, enough credit for his athleticism, but uh, uh, highly, highly competitive, uh, accurate as a passer, um, and he's got some good weapons to throw the ball to, and he spreads the ball around and does a good job with that. I think Jamar Chase is one of the better receivers in our league. Um, you know, he's exceptional uh, in terms of run after catch. Uh, so we're really kind of just getting into those guys a little bit, but uh, I think both of them are outstanding players, and, um, you know, hopefully our crowd will be a little bit more behind uh, the Saints team and not the local favorites. So we got a couple of local favorites on our side too. James, you know how to make a big man happy? How would you do that? You got to put three words together. Okay. Sweet, pie, and festival. Oh. Oh. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival is coming back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness. Every year, pastry chefs and home cooks vie to be crowned best in the Sweet Dough Pie Contest, where the public is the judge, so that means me. And, of course, a large variety of pies are available for purchase. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns Saturday, October 29th from 9 to 3 at Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, call 337-331-6352 or visit the Town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. i got to call that number. i got to get more information because you know I'm going to be at the Sweet Dough Pie Festival. Lord, today. Taking a time out when we return, who that Wednesday with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who That Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brendan, what's up, man? What's up, guys? Oh, man. Good to finally be on the winning ways. I mean, especially with that. And then now we're starting to get some good news about players coming back to practice like Jameis and Chris Olave. Yeah, uh, definitely. I'll take a win against any team, against any Sunday, any time of the week. Um, got some players coming back. Got Jameis coming back. Uh, some good news about Olave. Just, just here now that he's in the third stage of the protocol, uh, which is, you know, doing things on the side and, doing the actual football activity, so it looks like he'll be good to go on Sunday. But, you know, a ton of new injury report people, and uh, I think Marshawn's the biggest worry for me right now. Uh, but, yeah, our injury list is still too long, and it's just getting longer. Damn right. I mean, don't 
Lattimore wasn't there, and pretty much the whole receiving core wasn't there either. And it's so frustrating that we have to go through this again. Like, I never thought, and we <laughs> talked about it all, all whatever summer, about how good this receiving core was, how deep this receiver core is. And it's like, yeah, we could go a game without Michael Thomas, and we have. We, we've won a game without Michael Thomas. But now we're down all three. I mean, I think Alave will, will probably end up playing, and I have hopes for Jarvis, but this, this is, it's getting exhausting. And the fact that Keith Kirkwood is playing football for us right now is, is it's sad. And, I'm, I mean, no, no offense to Keith Kirkwood, and I think he's a solid little player, but I just don't like being in this position. The man said a solid little player. <laughs> I, okay, listen, listen, listen. There, two, what, two years ago, he was on IR. And we were on our hands and knees praying, yo, when's Keith Kirkwood going to come back? Because we were so down bad for wide receiver. So I pray for times like these, and, and we're here. But, I mean, we're back for, for a temporary period with this dismantled wide receiver core. Bring back little Jordan Humphrey. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brendan, you know, watching the game yes on Sunday, one thing that really stood out to me, do you see what happens when you go to the screen game? Finally, man. Like, finally. And it, it feels like that was the first, like, Alvin Kamara, like, wow, that's that's what he can do since uh, that Green Bay screen he had. And when he broke, like, three or four tackles and, and went went free. But I, I talked about it a lot. I don't know why Kamara just always finds his – if he's having a tough season and having a tough stretch, he'll always find a way to – uh, breakthrough against Seattle, and he's had really good games against Seattle. I don't know, it's just a matchup thing, but you got to keep dipping back in that you know well of Alvin Kamara-ness, and it's it's a it's a great thing to have, and it's it's super weird that that was what one of our first screens of the year that were had any kind of success. Um, and if you're going to go into a game against the Cincinnati Bengals without MT Jarvis, and I'm just going to say that Olave is going to play. I don't know, but uh, you got to give Kamara and Taysom at least 40 combined touches. Uh, I wouldn't be against it, but I've noticed. I mean, this is the second Kamara fumble in the year. I mean, are you chalking up these fumbles as bad luck, or is there something else that you've noticed maybe when it comes to how they're holding it or, like, just a different way? Like, are you seeing anything, or do you think this is just one of those times where it's like you're just on a bad stretch? I, I think I think it's both. Um, I mean, we've turned the ball over frequently, so I can't just say it's just unlucky. I think it's more of lack of focus, and I mean, they both know that Mark and Kamara and everyone else who has turned the ball over, they know that it's you know three points of contact in the football, and when Kamara fumbled, he had like one and a half, and uh, it, it it was a unique situation where he was jumping over a defender and it gets punched out. Taysom fumbles where it's a, a backhand elbow that, that punches it out. But that just kind of proves that you always need to have that ball tucked in and tucked high. Um, I think that's something you need to worry about. But it's not something the coaches need to, to harp on them about because they know. And if you watched uh, the show with Sean Payton and Kay Adams this week, yep. uh, he let Mark Ingram know that you know he's he's upset on uh, on the couch. He's throwing pills at the couch because Mark Ingram and Kamara have been fumbling and. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with DA. Some people said it's it's uh they're not intimidated DA, but you know they don't need a coach to be intimidated from to not fumble. So I think they just need to 
lock it in and focus more. Oh, oh James! Yeah. James didn't miss an episode of K Adams show. <laughs> he is he is a Respect. K he is a K Adams lover. Mm-hmm. So you can't blame me. You can't blame yeah, me. No, at all. you you can't. You no. can't. Um, how would you grade the play of the O line over the last couple of games, Brendan? I think it's gotten better uh, and better. There's still a lot of work to do. I think Cesar Ruiz has been one of our best. Uh, I think Ryan Ramchek is probably easily the best. And McCoy uh, had a really tough game last week. But it just feels like each each week someone does good and someone has a individual kind of bad game. And that kind of ruins it, it, it for everyone else. And that felt like McCoy had a rough game against Al Woods this past week. Um, I don't. I'm not worried about them moving forward. But I, I think you can. We can stop saying that Ruiz is but is a bust because he has shown some kind of improvement throughout the year, and that's what we hope for. And it took a, it took long enough, but at least he's not on the injury report like Peyton Turner. But I'm not going to go there. But they're starting to produce. They're starting to to get some kind of push and. Uh, the pass protection ceilings worked, but I think the running game has been far and improved since week one. Now, before we look ahead to Sunday's matchup with the Bengals, I mean, what are your thoughts on the Jordan Howard signing? I mean, you signed him, but then also Tony Jones, he, he went on the plane with Seattle to go back with him. Yeah, that was a really weird situation. I kind of expected Tony Jones to be back with the Saints. I didn't think he would have a huge market. Um that that being being claimed from the waiver wire, um, because he, didn't, he hasn't done a lot this year and uh, hasn't shown too much in the NFL in general. But he brings some kind of value on special teams, and Seattle needed a running back after losing Rashad Penny. So uh, a little bit of surprise to see that. Uh, but Jordan Howard, a solid little back. I, I don't think you know he's going to have any kind of Latavius Murray impact, and it still sucks that we lost him. But he will be wearing that 28 number that Latavius wore. And if he can bring some kind of depth and leadership and just anything, I think it's a positive thing. But uh, I'm not too worried about losing Tony Jones. I think we had some hope about him earlier, but didn't really show it. So uh, I think next year will be really interesting. I think, of course, we'll still have Kamara, but Ingram will be a free agent. We won't have Jordan Howard, obviously, and uh, all those other guys will be free agents as well. So, uh, going to be interesting to see if the Saints are aggressive for a, you know, a nice little partner going forward with with Ingram or Kamara. Chat with Brendan Ertle here on Houdat Wednesday. So Sunday, you know, the Saints playing the Bengals in the Superdome. Joe Burrow returns back to Louisiana, as does Jamar Chase. So you know, it's got a lot of Louisiana sports fans split down the middle about who's, you know, who who are you cheering for in this game. Uh, how many Joe Burrow jerseys will be in the Superdome? Hopefully not that many. And if they are Joe Burrow jerseys, they better be LSU jerseys. I don't want to see no Cincinnati Bengals Joe Burrow jerseys in the Dome this weekend. Uh, but what I will say is I, I think they're in a similar position as us. Uh, they got a good roster, got a great team. Uh, just hasn't worked out the way they wanted it to. I mean, they're obviously in the Super Bowl. They obviously did nothing but improve their offensive line, but it just hasn't worked yet. And I think... Like us, we have the right guys, just hasn't been clicking yet. And hopefully we saw a step in the right direction for us. But they had a rough game against Baltimore. Joe Burrow has been hit way too much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I support the guy. I, I love Joe. I love Jamar. Um, love Vaughn. Love Trey. K. 
can't stand Eli Apple, and that's the only reason why I want to beat him by 40 is because Eli Apple's on the other side, but nothing but respect uh, to that team. Now, the offensive line of the Bengals, they've struggled quite a bit this season while Cam Jordan and the defensive line of the Saints, they're starting to heat up. How big of a factor do you think this could be in the game? It could be a huge factor. And this, what, what I was saying earlier is this cannot be the game for the Cincinnati Bengals where they put it all together. Because if it is, it's not a great look on the Saints. And then the Saints will lose by a lot if they find a way to put it together, especially if Marshall Lattimore isn't on the field. And I'm kind of worried about him and what his injury is. I don't think it's uh, – I mean, I mean what, what I'll say is I don't think it's going to be a quicker injury. It might take a little bit uh, just – one of those things that need time to heal. So this needs to be a game where the interior is good. Um, Cam Jordan talked a lot about this week on his uh, the Stress Levels podcast that uh, the Pro Bowl is his favorite place to pass rush because you have four guys on the defensive line uh, that can't be double teamed. You can't double team anyone because they're all playing good and they're all really good. And I think for the Saints, what I mean by that is David Onyemata – has, has potential to be one of those guys that's really, really good. I just haven't seen it yet this year. I haven't seen production. He had a fumble recovery last game. Uh, I think Shy Tuttle and Malcolm Roach even outplayed David Onyemata at times. So if they want to get a, a game with Joe Burrow where he's he's worried in the in the post-game press conference about someone coughing and he's jumping, uh, they need to get interior pressure. And Cam and, De- Cam and Mark Stavenport, I always say this, they'll always find a way to get their pressures, but it means nothing if there's nothing in the interior. So... Uh, need better better production all around from the interior defensive line. Brendan, what are you looking out for this Sunday? Cool, looking out for a lot of things. I'm looking out for whoever is lined up against Eli Apple because that's a matchup that I'll take every day of the week. Um, I'm looking out for who plays quarterback, and that's kind of the main thing, and that'll be the main talking point for the whole week is who – I mean, we all have our opinions on who should be out there. Uh, I have mine. But I'm trying to find a way to word this. It'd be cool to see Andy Dalton against his former team, against the Bengals. Um, but I would love to see a healthy Jameis with a healthy team. And I'm going to give him every opportunity to win this job moving forward. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I don't want this to be a situation where it kind of drags out and um, we're still worrying about it next year if Jameis can put it together with this roster. I want to I know this year. I don't want it to be a question again next year. So that's kind of the main thing. Who starts a quarterback? How do they look? And the offense has found a way to get a little bit of rhythm. So uh, with some injuries, with some potentially changes at different positions, can they keep up that rhythm? And will Taysom Hill get uh, FedEx ground player of the week again this week at a tight end position? Um, pick him up in fantasy. Put him in your put him in your flex because I, I think this will be another big Taysom Hill game, uh, mainly because – all of our wide receivers are hurt. So, uh, yeah. Now, it is interesting because you're talking about putting him in your lineup. I do have him in my dynasty lineup. I didn't play him, which was a big reason why I lost. But I also did get a notification from Sleeper saying he went from healthy to questionable. So, yeah, that, that could uh, be the, a factor. The injury report was, was brutal, and he, he was on it uh, with that in, rib injury that uh, plagued him before. Um, and a couple of players were added to it as well, but that was something I did notice that Taysom was on the injury report. So just another one of those injuries, man. Yeah, and then one more for you. What do you have as the key to victory for the Saints to beat the Bengals on Sunday? 
contain Jamar, contain T. Higgins if he plays, make them beat you in the run game because that's something that they've tried to do. I've watched this team a lot. I've watched the Bengals a lot, and it just hasn't been working in the past game. It hasn't been working, but it will. I'm I'm not saying it won't. It, it's going to work at some point. They're going to get on the same page. Uh, Joe Burrow's offensive line will help them. They, they will have some kind of um, pass pro. So contain Jamar, whether that's a Debo, whether Lattimore can play, have someone else step up. Um, they really got to stop the run. They can't let Joe Mixon beat them because if they do – I mean, they're going to be in the shootout, and I don't want to be in a shootout with this team. I did want to – you had reminded me about the run game because I, I don't know if you had saw it on Twitter, but it was funny how uh, if you watch Joe Mixon against the Ravens, if he was had his hands on his knees, it was going mm-hmm. to be a pass play, but if he stood up while Burrow was making checks and like making changes to the play, it, it would signify, oh, it's going to be a run now. So it's like that that could be something that they need to fix. Yeah, and it definitely is. And that's something that I, I actually saw that the week before as well. I forget who they played, but it was the complete opposite. So I don't know if they're trying to throw teams off with that or uh, if that's a tendency that he has. But, that yeah, that is something that uh, Cam Jordan talks about as well, is that the Saints do really look at those things and look at tendencies and try and figure out is it a pass, is it a run, because that gives the defense a huge advantage. If, if the defensive line knows it a pass, they can just pin their ears back and go. So um, that is something that they can figure out probably pretty quickly in the game. And if it's a real thing, it's a real thing. And I remember going back a couple years ago when Lamar Jackson would wipe his hands on, on his towel on a pass play and not do anything with the run play. And that was a huge give. And um, one of the reasons that the offense kind of struggled a couple years ago, but it's doing great now. But uh, tendencies is a huge thing, and I think – That'll be something that Cam Jordan especially will be looking out for. Brendan Ertle joining us for Who Dat Wednesday. Brendan, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, and we'll do it again next week. Yes, sir. See you guys. Tune in next week for another edition of Who Dat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Week 6 is about to kick off for the NFL, and you better start off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. I'll take the under on Carson Wentz's passing yards, the over on Justin Fields' rushing yards, and then the under on total points scored. But build your own way and choose from one of our popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can build the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account. But if you got one with FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign up and see what you got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Three-plus leg. Minimal $1 bet required. Refund issued is not withdrawable free bets that expire in seven days after the receipt. 
Max free bet, $5. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. So we haven't had the chance to talk about it because there's just so much else going on. The NHL started back, James. We're playing hockey, baby. My Washington Capitals play tonight. I don't know how I'm not going to be able to watch it, but I'm not going to be able to watch it because, you know, Cajuns, priorities. Um, But hockey's back. NASCAR's winding down. They're down to eight. They, they got to get to one, obviously, but, you know, they're getting there. A couple more weeks left in the in the NASCAR season. Basketball starts next week for real. The Pelicans' final preseason game is tonight. Or actually Friday night, I'm sorry. I mean, there's just... We're about to get real busy up in here. We thought we were busy now. We're about to really get busy. That is about going to do it for today's edition of Crunch Time. I'm going to take this opportunity to thank Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser for giving us a preview of the Cajuns and Marshall. And, of course, Brendan Ertle for joining us for Who Dat Wednesday. No show again tomorrow because of the Houston Astros. James and I will bring you a five-minute preview of the Astros and Mariners game two before we turn it over to Robert Ford and Steve Sparks at 2.05. But until then, for James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we will talk to you shortly tomorrow right here on the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The McNeese Coaches Show with the legendary Jim Gazzolo is up next.